You know, it's sad when you think about that. If uh, with all the churches that we have in this land, that America would need missionaries to come to America. Of course, at one time, England was the place that was the center of all missions activity. And now we need missionaries to go to England. And then the United States became the center for missionaries being sent out. And now we need missionaries to come here. Even though our land is full of churches, unfortunately it's full of churches that don't believe the book. Don't believe the necessity of salvation through Jesus Christ. They won't obey the book. Our land is in a very tragic emergency right now. Matter of fact, uh, I want you to turn first of all to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. When you find that, I want you to put your hand there and I want you to go over for a moment to John chapter 8. I'm not going to preach from John, but there's a couple of thoughts I want to give you. I plan on preaching from Acts chapter 2. But in John chapter 8... Jesus made some powerful statements. Notice verse 30. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you what? Yeah, this kind of freedom doesn't come with guns. This type of freedom right here doesn't come with guns. The type of freedom he's talking about is a freedom of soul and spirit. And it must come through obedience to his word. Over the last several decades... Church after church and denomination after denomination have gone liberal. They've decided to put their own spin on Scripture instead of just obeying what God says in His Word and believing what God says in His Word. I mean, they have no excuse because we got the book right here. And they had the book at one time. But they didn't like what they said, so they've been trying to change it. But this book is still true. Every bit of it is true. And God pity the society that won't see it. We are becoming a police state, and that's not the police's fault. Did you hear what I said? We are becoming a police state, and it's not police's fault. It's the population's fault. We got away from truth. People won't do right unless they're made to do right. But once you leave the truth, you don't even know what right is. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You want to be free. It's not by doing away with the laws. It's by getting back to God's word completely. People want to brag on their free. They ought to be able to do whatever they want to do. So as a result, nobody's safe anywhere. Anywhere, you're not even safe in your own home. Because as a people, this nation's gotten away from the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. 
and the truth shall make you free. So our call today would be, all right, we're getting ready to celebrate another Independence Day, a country that is dependent on drugs, a country that is, de- that is dependent on hedonism and a hedonistic lifestyle, a country that's dependent on being able to tell people that, if, that you're, you're to be whatever we tell you to be, whatever sex, as long as you're not straight. We have a strange society today. Get back to the truth. God's word. Stand upon it. So, having said that, that was just special. Somebody probably needed it here. Or maybe somebody out over the internet needed that. But let's go back now to Acts chapter 2. For what the Lord's given me for his church. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost to an extremely large crowd there in Jerusalem. Of course, he's not the only one. The other 119 that were in that upper room are also out spreading the gospel. But they've been listening. Mainly, it is Peter's message that has been written down here for us in Acts chapter 2. And when he gets to the end of his message, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this... They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I beg you today for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to hearts. I pray that those that are without Christ, those who have never been born again, I pray they'd see their need for Jesus and turn to Jesus Christ and be saved today. I pray for believers today. May we understand today that you require the same of us in 2023 as you did to those believers back when this book was given to us In the book of Acts, nothing has changed. It's exactly the same. 
And the world may call it old-fashioned, but that's okay because the truth has not changed. We want to think we're smarter than those people back there when the truth is we're not. That's why so many people are lost. They're trusting computers and technology to get them to heaven instead of trusting God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, you have your way in every heart and life, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. A while back, there was a new church. I don't have a clue what the name of the church was. It was starting in Huntsville. Their advertisement was interesting. Their advertisement to try to entice people to come to their church was this. Not your mother's church. Not your mother's church. Now that's interesting. Evidently that advertisement was saying, we've got something they didn't have back then when your mother was going to church. We've got something new. Now what they meant by that basically is no rules. Come as you are, be what you are, don't worry about changing, everything's okay. Whereas your mother's church, they preached the truth and the word of God. They said that there were absolutes. They sang the songs with the right music, not feeding the flesh, but feeding the spirit with messages like the songs that we read today. Yeah, Our church, our new church is not your mother's church. Well, I'll tell you what, very few of the churches around today are like mother's church because they want to be popular. And in being popular, they're thinking they're becoming relevant. But when it comes to heaven and hell, they're becoming very, what's the term? Irrelevant. Yeah, I know. This didn't sound right in my head. Must be that echo that's going through there. I can remember back several years ago, we used to have an old-fashioned day every once in a while. And it was interesting to see how people would respond to an old-fashioned day, what they thought old-fashioned day would be like at church. Now, for some of us, when we thought of dressing old-fashioned, it'd be like in the old time with the brush arbors where the preacher wore a black suit with a string tie and, you know, had a funny little hat that to, to appear, come to church in, then take it off when it came time to preach. And for some people, they thought, well, dressing up like they did in the 50s and the family walking to church. Very difficult to do for a lot of you, I know, to walk to church because you live so far away. Some other people have some different ideas. For instance, you go back, oh, let's say 100 years, and there were churches where the ushers had nice long poles. And those poles had a purpose. While the the preacher was preaching, if the usher that was holding one of the poles realized that the preacher was hitting on a sin of a particular person, let's just say say Brother Schechsneider here, then that usher would reach over with that pole and tap him on the shoulder to let him know he should listen because this is for him. Some think that going back several years in some of these country churches that the ushers had been instructed that when they took up the offering, they were to watch what was being put in the plate. And if a dollar bill was given, they were to say, amen. If a $10 bill was given, they were to say, praise the Lord. And if they gave $20, then they were to shout hallelujah. 
Now that would liven up the offering. You notice we don't even take up an offering anymore. Now that's because of COVID and we just haven't started taking up an offering again. And the reason for that is we got more coming in than we did when we were taking up an offering. I don't want to kill what we got going here. It's pretty good. (laughs) Some think of brush arbor meetings where they met outside. And I'll tell you, it had to be pretty tough back in the early 1900s or in the 1800s in Alabama in the summertime with that sun beating down on them. And here they are meeting outside, and they got a little brush arbor out there, and the preacher get up and yell, and his voice go across the holler, you know, where the people in the other valley could hear him preach. Old-fashioned. Now, if you want a real old-fashioned church, you can't get more old-fashioned than what we just read about in Acts chapter 2. Christ has already ascended up into heaven. And 10 days after that, the disciples are out, and they are preaching. And a whole lot of people got saved. A powerful message that was brought. You see, there's one thing that, whereas there are a lot of changes being made. There are changes and, of course, how people even get to church. Thank God we don't have to come in a horse and buggy. We can come in an air-conditioned car. Isn't that nice? And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But something that should never change is the gospel. The gospel... It's always the same. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That gospel still works today. It is still the only thing that takes anybody to heaven. You can't get to heaven by coming to church. Coming to church is good. And for the saved, you ought to go to church because you are saved. But but the church can't take anybody to heaven. Salvation, heaven, is found in a person. It's found in Jesus Christ. I look at this First Baptist Church of Jerusalem here in Acts chapter 2. And I notice some things about this church that really should still be true today. Number one, it was built upon the preaching of the word of God. Notice in verse 40, the scripture says here in Acts chapter 2 verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Now we didn't take the time this morning to read all the things that are recorded of Peter being said on the day of Pentecost. But he preached and he preached straight. He preached to the people, first of all, about their sin, about what they had done in rejecting Jesus Christ, how they had killed him, and he laid the blame flatly on them. And then how God had raised him from the dead. And he made it plain that they were responsible for their sin. And when he got done preaching, we don't find him telling any funny stories. There's no poem that's quoted by Peter. He just simply preached the truth. And when he got done, the people said, Men and brethren, what must we do? If there's going to be a remedy for all that we have just done with Jesus, what must we do? He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that's interesting, repent, because if you read what he preached... 
What were they guilty of that they had to repent of? Well, what they were guilty of is they had rejected Jesus when he came. And if you repent of rejecting Jesus, what do you do? You receive him. He doesn't even use the word believe here. John uses it a lot of times. But believing on the Lord Jesus Christ would be a repentance from what they had done. Repent and be baptized. It's a good word. It requires a change that has to take place. Before I got saved, I believed in God, but I was lost. I, as I've told you many times, I use the name Jesus as a curse word because I was lost. But I was thinking going to heaven was wrapped up either in religion or in good works that I did. And in order to get saved, I had to stop trusting those things. In order to get saved, I had to count my works as nothing. That it did nothing for my salvation and put my trust in Jesus Christ to save my soul. You see, preaching is key. I'm not going to take the time this morning to go through all the verses in the New Testament dealing with preaching. But I'm going to tell you what. Preaching is the central activity in a Bible-believing church. We are commanded to preach the word. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he declared, and Timothy was the pastor of a local church, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preaching of the word of God. Their cry, of course, was, what should we do? They came under conviction. And Peter's answer was, repent. Wait a minute. These were religious men. These people that were there on the day of Pentecost were already religious men. They went to the different feast days that were required of them as Jews. I mean, outwardly living, they would have had very good lives. They would have looked good. But your religion can't save you. You need Jesus Christ, for he is the one who is the Savior. You know, in Romans 6.23, when he declares, give me a little more volume if you can, please. In Romans, it's not because, it's not because you're having trouble hearing me. It's I'm having trouble speaking. And so I'm trying to make it easier on my voice, you understand. I'm not trying to punish you more. <laughs> not that I was trying to punish you at all, but anyway... Romans 6.23, Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is totally wrapped up in Him. The Bible declares, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Yes, we preach Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the dead, ascended up into heaven, salvation only in him. Because that's the only message that saves. Yeah, having church on the building doesn't make it a church. If you don't have the gospel inside the building, I'm sorry, you don't have a church. You may have some kind of a meeting, but you don't have a church. That's got to be right. Nicodemus, 
heard the message from Jesus when he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus had trouble understanding it, and he was a religious man. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Nobody is born a Christian. You've got to be born again in order to be a Christian. The physical birth doesn't take anybody to heaven. You must have the spiritual birth in order to go to heaven. That means somewhere along the line for you to go to heaven, you've got to make a decision toward Jesus Christ. If you don't come to him, I don't care how nicely you dress, how nice of a car you drive or how many cars you have or how big your house is. I don't care what you try to do for the poor. If you don't get born again, you will die and go to a sinner's hell and burn there forever. That's reality. That's the truth. Your hope is only in Jesus Christ. So he had the preaching of the word of God. Now we see 3,000 get saved because you see this church grew by the reception of the word of God. Look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is a fantastic meeting. Imagine this. The church of 120 had been praying for 10 days. That's how many were praying together, were meeting to pray. 10 days. God fills them with the Holy Spirit. They go out into the streets around Jerusalem and they preach the gospel. 3,000 people. 3,000 people. That would be probably, and I'm just thinking of the auditorium crowd, I'm not counting those back in junior church or the four junior churches that we have. I'm just talking about what's in this auditorium right now. That would probably be at least 10 times what we have right here in this auditorium. 3,000 people got saved. Imagine that. I mean, hey, if we had 100 people here today, after the preaching, it came forward to Christ as Savior and they all wanted to follow the Lord and believers' baptism and did, and they came back to the next service, you got to admit, there'd be some excitement going on. Just 100 people. 3,000 got saved. And, and notice what it says here. Then they that gladly received his word. Now, out of this crowd, there would be people, no doubt, who had been in the crowd when Pilate offered Jesus to them, he said, what should I do with Jesus? And they cried, crucify him, crucify him. There's no doubt some of those people that had cried crucify him are in this group of the 3,000. Sinners who had rejected Christ and now they have received him. Why? Because they heard preaching come from this man, Peter. Bible declares, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
They had heard a message directed straight at them. Straight, they were accused of what they had done. They had crucified Jesus. Now, usually, when you accuse somebody of things they've done, they kind of bow up. They get angry. But had they just bowed up, they wouldn't have gotten saved. They'd be on their way to hell. Thank God they took Christ as their Savior right here. They received the word. You can be a church member and die and go to hell. You must have Christ. You must be saved to go to heaven. So it was built upon the preaching of the word of God. It grew by the reception of the word of God. And then in verse 41, it practiced, and I want you to get this, it practiced obedience to the word of God. Look at verse 41. When he says in the verse, and they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. They preached the gospel. These people received the word. They got saved. And now they obey in being baptized. 3,000 getting baptized. I think the most that I've baptized at one time is probably somewhere around 15. And I came out looking like a prune. I can't imagine baptizing 3,000 in one day. Of course, obviously, uh, they had more water there uh, around them for them to baptize in than we've got in this simple little baptistry that's right here. But the point is they obeyed. You say, preacher, how is that in obedience? Well, Peter just told them to repent. and Then they were to be baptized. Why did he tell them that? Because in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19... Jesus told his disciples, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Jesus had told them, first you go out, you make them followers, teach them how to be saved. Then he says, baptize them. So these people just got saved. He baptized them. By the way, you find that a pattern that's repeated over and over again. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Uh, That's with Philip preaching. In chapter 10 of the book of Acts, we find that Peter is preaching to the household of Cornelius. Cornelius' house trusts Christ as Savior. And the Bible says that he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. When Lydia of Thyatira got saved, She then, the Bible tells us, she was baptized. And she said to Paul, she says, if now you have counted me to be faithful to the Lord. You see, baptism is the first thing people are commanded to do after they get saved. Baptism does not save you. You get saved by trusting Jesus. But baptism is the first thing that he calls on us to do. After we get saved, there was a brief time when I was a young boy. There was a brief time when my mom and dad went to church for just a few weeks. It might have been as long as two months. And I can remember going to a river someplace and being baptized. I was not saved. I didn't have a clue what being saved was. But many years later, at the age of 22, I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior. 
And I, I asked the pastor what I should do next. And he talked about this matter of baptism. I said, well, I, was, I, was, I think I was baptized when I was probably eight or nine years old. And he said, were you saved? And I said, well, no. He said, well, baptism follows salvation. It does not precede salvation. Baptism is first. And why do we do it? Yes, it pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. You are publicly identifying yourself with the one that you've just trusted to save you. But not only that, it's a matter of simply obeying Jesus. Jesus said to do it. You would think if you're saved, you'd want to obey him. The very first thing now, it's a simple thing. It's not hard at all. By the way, so I said, okay, then I'll, if Jesus said to do it, I'll do it. And I got baptized. My wife got saved. She got baptized. Why? First thing after you get saved, God tells us to do. You see, it's not, some people think because it doesn't save you, it's not important. I think it's important to obey Jesus. You know, I was, of course, my parents' child, well, one of their children. Uh, anyway, if, if I didn't obey him, I was still their children. I just found it's better to obey him. Better to obey Jesus, too. He died for me. He was buried. He rose three days later from the dead. You say, what else about this first church? What else did they do that ought to be in our churches today? It uh, not only grew by reception of the word and it practiced obedience to the word, but it sought the learning of the word of God. Look at verse 42 now. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and of prayers. These 3,000 just get saved. Hey, the Sunday before that, they didn't meet in church. They didn't have anything to do with the people of God, but now they've taken Christ as Savior. And the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly. In the, when you read that word steadfastly, that means, buddy, they stuck by it. This is now a priority in their life. There is something wrong with believers who have not made meeting steadfastly with the church of Jesus Christ to learn what God says in his word. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Need to know what this book says. One of the reasons so many people get led astray, they don't know the book. Why they are easy pickings for all the false doctrine that's taught on the internet. Why they get easily led astray from some sharp guy who says that he's come found something new in the scripture. It still amazes me these people that are looking for the lost books of the Bible. God hadn't lost a one of them. Matter of fact, I got every book of the Bible right here that is a book of the Bible. Right in here. I got the complete collection. I got the full set. Now, nothing wrong with somebody just printing a gospel of John and passing it out. But I got all 66 books in my Bible. So I got to read it. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The Bible says that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I know as I pray each week about, Lord, what would you have me to preach? I ask him often, Lord, I, I don't know what everybody needs. Some people have a specific need right now. 
Some may have one next week. Lord, you know who's going to be there. I don't know who's going to be here. So, Lord, please give me the message that the people that are there are going to need. Sometimes you'll direct me to say something that maybe not a long thing, may only take 30 seconds to say, but it's exactly the bell that needs to be rung for them that week. But if they're not here, they miss it. They miss it. I don't attend church because I have to. Man, I got saved. And when the preacher told me what I need to do next, we just went. I had a lot of Bible to learn, still got Bible to learn. I wanted to be with God's people. When these 3,000 got saved, they continued steadfastly. Man, they evidently wanted to be of God's people too because notice he goes on to say here in the verse in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. You know, there are some folks, and I think most every believer, when you've got a particular need, you're glad to have Christians pray for you. I know I'm, I really appreciate it when I hear somebody tell me, as long as they're not lying to me, that they've been praying for me. I know I've had a bunch of you ask me about my back, and, you know, it goes in and out. probably goes out more than I do. But, um, you know, but I appreciate you praying. I hate to think what it would be like if you hadn't been praying. Don't have any doubt God's answered a lot of prayer about that stuff. That means a lot. Uh, but you know, by the lack of attendance of some people, obviously you don't think much of the prayers of the saints because meeting together allows you to share your prayer request and our people pray. We got a lot of people that pray, seek God's face, man. These people want to get together with believers, not just to eat and not just to study, but also to pray. For one another. There is a strength in corporate prayer where God's people are praying. We could give a number of examples of that, but I must hasten on. So, not only in learning the Word of God, but they lived in fellowship of the Word, breaking of bread, and of fellowship. The Bible says, provoke one another to love and to good works, not the forsaking of yourselves together, as a manner of some is. But exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need fellowship with one another. It is absolutely so vital. Not only that, they were energized by the praying of the word, but they worked at spreading the word. Look at verse 47. Notice verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. Here's an amazing statement. And the Lord... Added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Doesn't say the Lord added to the church weekly. Says he added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Well, in order for people to be saved daily, people have to be witnessed to daily. I fear sometimes in our modern churches, us as well, that we give some people a false impression that witnessing is only for when you meet together for the few times of visitation. 
But witnessing goes way beyond that. Witnessing in our neighborhood, witnessing where we go buy our food or get our uh, 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 into the stores, talking about Jesus, not being ashamed of our faith and of our God, to let people know we have something that they need. We've got something that they didn't have. You know, when these people went out to witness, uh, they told people. There's no doubt about that for people to get saved daily in this one church, but but they didn't have tracks to pass out. They didn't have tracks to leave. Say, so here, I want to I wanna give you a track. You can remember a spy, okay? They didn't have that. So for people to be saved daily, these folks must have been pretty earnest in getting out the message. Uh, it, we, we've changed a lot over the years. One of the things we've changed, we get this idea that, that people get saved Sunday at church, especially in the Sunday morning service. But the reality is our command to reach the world is not Sunday at church. It's all the time. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I'm going to do this for my own edification right now for just a moment. How many here you got saved in a church service at church. I'm talking about a Sunday church service. How many here got saved in a Sunday church service? That's a good crowd. I have to keep my hand down. I didn't. I got saved at a radio station. My wife got saved in the living room of our mobile home where we were living. So neither one of us got saved in a church service. We got saved because somebody came to us. The 3,000 that got saved were not in a church service. They hadn't gone to church. They were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They were in the streets. And these 120, they went out into the streets. And they were proclaiming the gospel in the streets. I'm sure there were people there that didn't like it. But they proclaimed the gospel anyway because Jesus has said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that's a church doing what it's supposed to do in the spreading of the word of God. Yeah, if we were to be more like the real old-fashioned church, I believe we'd see a lot more people truly come to know Christ as Savior. We put the spreading of the word as a priority in our lives and then being with God's people to learn what we need from the word of God. We'd see God do great things in our own lives to be a people praying together as well as individually, praying together, seeking God's face to do great and mighty things. Now that's an old-fashioned church. You see, it's not a church that gets away from the scripture. It's not a church that tries to transition to some kind of different translation, but simply sticks with thus saith the Lord, believes what God says, studies it, and lives to obey it. That's what God wants in a local assembly of believers. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Dear God, deal with hearts this morning. You know every individual here. You know who's saved and you know who is lost. I don't.
And Father, I pray this morning that you deal with any that have never truly been born again about their need to come to Jesus Christ and be saved. God, I pray they come to Jesus today. I pray for believers today. Too many Christians today just playing in their Christian life. They show up every once in a while instead of living for you, serving you, making sure their life counts for you with God's people too. Lord, so I pray today you deal with believers, deal with our hearts, about our witness, about our walk, about our prayer time. God, about the word. Lord, change us, I pray in Jesus' name.